Hey, good morning, One Church. How are you guys doing today? Woo, yeah. Hey, I'm so excited to be here. Uh, I, I get a, an opportunity to kind of come out here and, and teach on a Sunday morning every so often, give Chris a break, and I always uh, really enjoy it. And uh, just to introduce myself, my name is Dave Thompson. I am the student pastor here at One Church. Uh, woot woot. I uh, love middle school and high schoolers. Uh, and so with that, I typically work with, again, middle schoolers and high schoolers. Uh, so if today, if you guys could just be like as annoying as possible, I will feel right at home. Um, no, seriously, pull out your phone, pay absolutely no attention to what I'm talking about. Uh, it would be great. Um, no, hey, if you're new with us and uh, this is your first time and, and, you know, you guys are here and you connect with me as a speaker, uh, I just want to encourage you to come back next week. Uh, Chris is actually a much better communicator than I am, and he will be the guy who typically teaches in here. Uh, if you don't like me as a communicator, hey, everybody has a right to be wrong. Um, but uh, I just want to let you know, again, come back next week. You will, you will not be disappointed. Uh, so we are in week two of a series called Right in the Eye. And, man, it is, it's been a doozy so far. We're only in week two. And my God. Uh, it's, uh, it's been fun. Now, the, the, the bottom line, though, the kind of thing that, that, that's kind of going along with this series is like the underbelly of the American dream. It's the part of the American dream that we don't really want to talk about, don't really want to admit to. It's just, it's kind of like that, that underside, that, that dark side of the American dream. And it goes like this. I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. I want to do what I want to do when I want to do. Now, here's the thing. We, we're a civilized society, and so we can put a little, you know, hash mark at the end. And it's, I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody. That's right. We learned that last week. And, and so I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody. And see, here's the problem. Uh, if you keep doing this long enough, eventually, as we learned last week, eventually you will hurt someone. And, uh, you know, I, I, a great example, eventually you will hurt you and, you know, you're somebody like maybe that's your note, like, Hey, I'm somebody. Um, eventually you will hurt you. Or maybe, you know, if you have parents, eventually you could hurt your parents, or maybe eventually you could hurt your kids or those who come after you. And, and that's really kind of where we landed last week. Eventually, if you keep going down this path, you will hurt someone. And so uh, and so the funny thing about this, this whole thing is, uh, it really kind of affects us differently, uh, at different phases in life. You see, uh, think, think about it as, as a teenager, like teenagers, they are like the epitome of, I'm going to do what I want to do when I want to do it. Like, you know, uh, 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 you know, uh, <laughs> you don't own me. Like, I, you know, this is, you know, I'm a, I'm a grown woman, you know, I, I, I do what I want. So, uh, yeah, you know, you, you guys are teenagers for like a whole seven years. So some of you still are, um, no, like, you know, so, so we had that, and then, then, you know, fast forward, it's your freshman year of college, you know, you finally get, like, you're an adult, you know, kind of, and so, so you're out there in, in the world, and, you know, I'm going to do what I want to do when I want to do it, and so then your sophomore year of college, but you're at, like, a different college, because you did what you wanted to do when you want to do it, um, and, you know, and, you know, <laughs> you hurt somebody, you know, wasted your parents' money, but, hey, I'm not trying to bring all that up, but, you know, so, you know, so then eventually, you know, you get into your 30s and your 40s, and, and then, you know, there's a lot of 40-year-olds out there, 50-year-olds that, you know, they just want to be teenagers all over again, and so they're doing what they want to do when they want to do it. And, uh, and so it's just this, this thing that, that, that it's in all of us. 
And, uh, and so really what's driving our conversation is the book of Judges. Uh, now the book of Judges is, um, it's this, this, this part where, uh, you know, uh, it's this in-between point uh, in the Bible. So, you know, it starts off, you've got Moses who, who leads the, the Israelites out of Egypt, you know, pulls them out of slavery and he takes them. And eventually Moses dies and, and then Joshua, he's leading them and they actually come into the promised land and, and he's there and he's leading them and they're, they're doing well. And eventually Joshua dies. And, and so we have, you know, and Joshua was like, you know, he wasn't like a king, but he was like the established leader. And so everybody listened to him. Same thing with Moses. And, and so we have this like almost 300 year section, uh, the, this 300 year period where, um, you know, like they, they didn't have a king and there was nobody ruling them. And there was, there was this chaos and disaster and it kind of really put them into this, this, uh, this cycle of, of where they would disobey God. There would be some type of disaster and then God would deliver them. They would disobey God there would be some type of disaster, and then God would deliver them. And it was just this cycle over and over and over again. In fact, last week, we, we kind of started off like in the end of, of the book of Judges. And, and again, you know, I'm glad you guys didn't have your children in here because, uh, nightmares. But, you know, because the, the end of the book of Judges, if you weren't here last week, I recommend going home and reading it. Um, you know, uh, chapter 21, it's, you know, it's, it's a great, you know, I would write a lullaby about it. It's kind of like, you know, um, my, my mother-in-law's in here actually right now and she loves scary movies. So the end of judges is kind of like a mixture of Halloween four and deliverance. And, uh, it, it's kind of like the, the, you know, like as bad as it gets, like this is as the worst possible scenario. I mean, you know, there's concubines and she gets raped to death and she, you know, brings a chainsaw and cuts her into 12 pieces. I know it sounds crazy, but I'm just hashing. You know, everybody's like, hey, I just got over it, Dave. Like, I had, I saw a counselor this week. Just don't bring it back up. No, like, and so this is the end of it. This is the point where, where it's as bad as it gets. And, and so, but the problem is, is nobody just wakes up one day and says, hey, you know what? I'm going to cut someone into 12 pieces. That sounds like a good idea. Like, hey, I, I got an idea. Let's commit genocide. Yeah, that sounds good. Like nobody just on a whim, nobody just spur of the moment says, hey, that's what I'm going to do. And so really I want to back up. I want to go back to the beginning of Judges and see how did we get there? How, how did we get to, to this point? How did it get so bad? Because it really is just a bunch of small steps. 300 years of steps, to be honest. And so really we get back to the beginning of Judges. And, uh, and, and so the beginning of Judges kind of... It's kind of like the last night of church camp. Anybody in here go to church camp growing up? No, this is one church. Nobody in here was, was a Christian <laughs> before they came here. Uh, so I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I didn't go to church camp growing up. I went to church camp for the first time as an adult, uh, as a leader. Someone kind of suckered me into going, and I get there and kind of fell in love with students, and so that's how I get here. But So uh, I, I go to church camp, and there's this thing that, that like all the girls do on the last night of church camp, and and if you're here and you're not a Christian, you think Christians are weird, this is going to, like, underscore that. Like, sorry, friend, you know, like, this is just going to make it worse. But what is it that all the, the, the girls do on the last night of church camp? Anybody? They cry. That's right. They cry. Like, all of them. They cry. Now, I, I'll never forget, like, my first experience going to church camp. And so I get there, and, 
it's a wonderful week, you know, like, you know, you're just going really hard and you, you don't sleep ever. And, you know, and so you're going all week and, and every night there's like this big message and this big worship experience and, and it's just powerful and emotional. And it's amazing. And, and again, you're, you're exhausted. And, and so after every evening service, we would have a moment where the whole church group, like everybody in our church, we would get together in a room and we'd sit and talk and, you know, powwow it. And, you know, we would kind of talk about like wins and, and, you know, what we're learning and what we're experiencing and just celebrate the day. And, uh, you know, sometimes we would just talk about what the, the message was about. It was just a lot of fun. And, um, and so we, we get to the last night and now we're beyond exhausted. Okay. And, and we get there and we get to the worship message and man, the guy just came in, just knocked it out of the park. I'm like, that was a good message. And, and the worship was on point and they had just the right songs. And, and we get into our little church group huddle afterwards and we're sitting there and it started. The first one just starts crying. And I'm like, okay, okay, you know, like she's emotional. Oh, wait, that's that's a freshman boy. Okay, okay, no, I'm not judging. That's cool, that's cool, you know. And then a second one and a third one. And before I know it, the whole group, like they're just all crying. And I don't know what to do. Like I've been a Christian all of like, you know, six months and I'm like, you know, and I'm looking around the room at the other adults thinking, okay, like, you know, are you guys, like, I'm backing up. I'm, you know, I'm getting up against the wall as far away from this Kleenex fest as I can because I don't know what to do. And I'm looking at the other adults. I'm like, are they concerned about this? They're like shaking their heads. I'm like, yeah, yeah, this is good. What is wrong with you? Why are you celebrating this? There's a bunch of children crying. Like someone might lose their job and and I found out that night that there's a thing called cry night. Like, literally, like, all the church, you know, camp places, they literally call it cry night. Like, this is a cry night. You know, hey, get ready. Uh, bring some Kleenexes. And, uh, you know, so. Uh, but, but no, I love, you know, I'm not really trying to belittle it. not really trying to make fun of it. Because it really, it's a really important night. Like, this is the night where, you know, they've been there all week. And, and they've had these really big, high mountaintop experiences. And, and they're ready to make these commitments because they're, they're looking at their life. And they're seeing how, you know, the pains and the suffering that, that they've experienced, you know. And that whenever they get home, they know the cause. And, and so they decide, they, they make these commitments. They decide, whenever I get home, I'm, I'm going to break up with my boyfriend or my girlfriend. You know, I'm like, I'm going to patch things up with my parents. I'm going to, like quit doing pretty much everything, you know? I'm not going to hang out with the wrong kinds of friends. I'm not going to sneak out anymore, you know, no more. I'm, you know, they're smoking it too, so I'm going to smoke it. Like, you know, I'm just, you know, they pretty much, I'm just going to quit my whole life. And uh, so they make these big commitments and and they go home, and I'm really not going to talk about what students actually do when they get home, because I still believe in the power of of church camp. But we, we, we come into this moment with, with this, and, and it's just like this big church camp moment. You see, uh, um, Joshua, he's like, hey, I'm getting old. I'm about to die. I'm getting old. I'm about to die. I'm leaving. Pretty soon, I won't be with you. This is it. And so he gets all the nation of Israel together and, and brings them into, into like one big powwow. And he, he gives them this really epic speech. And, and he's, you know, he's basically saying, hey, I just want to give one last bit of advice. Like, I'm leaving, so pay attention. This is the most important thing I'll ever say. If you never heard anything else I said, I want you to hear this right here. 
And so he stands up there and he starts off uh, Joshua 24, 14. It says, Now, fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your ancestors. They worship them beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. This is basically code for break up with your boyfriend. Break up with your girlfriend. Throw away your cigarettes. Get rid of that hidden stash. Get rid of all those things that are polluting your life. And so he does this really long speech where, you know, and the people, they, they, they're hearing it and they respond like this. And I love this, their, their response. They say, far be it from us to forsake the Lord, to serve other gods. Far be it from us. Like, in other words, hey, 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 don't you worry about us, Joshua. Don't you worry about us. You know, when you're gone, we're going to remain faithful. I promise we're good. You don't have to worry continues people still it says it was the lord our god himself who brought us out uh who brought us and our parents out of egypt we don't want to go back there we never want to experience that we remember what it was like to to be ruled over by pharaoh our parents have told us the stories our grandparents have told us the stories It's funny, uh, you know, of course they continue. They, they say, you know, they're talking about God, what they did, brought us out of Egypt. And it says, and perform those great signs before our eyes. We too will serve the Lord because he is our God. We made a decision. God is our king. He's given us the law. You don't have to worry, uh, Joshua, I promise. You don't have to worry at all. We've got this. We will take it. Go, God, Yeah. We won't go back to that foreign king. I love the text. It, it continues on. And, and Joshua, he kind of he taunts them. You know, he's, he's trying to, like, let them know, hey, 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 you know, you, you say you won't, but I think you will. I think, I bet you will go back. And they're like, no, 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 I promise. No, no, Joshua, we got this. It's okay. And he's like, no, you think that you won't go back? You think this is going to be easy? It won't. I'm, you need to make sure you hear me on this. And they're trying to say, no, no, we got it. We're good. We're good. Don't worry about it. But the people said to Joshua, continues on, says, no, we will serve the Lord. Joshua, you know, (laughs) Joshua said, okay, I've warned you. I tried to tell you. And then Joshua died. And before the flowers on his tomb ever wilted, the scriptures tell us, And then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And they served the Baals. I mean, they probably hadn't even changed clothes from the funeral, and they get out there and they're looking around, and they're already doing the very thing that they promised Joshua that they would never do. They're doing the very thing that Joshua warned them not to do. Says they forsook the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the very you know the, the very stories that they grew up hearing, who had brought them out of Egypt, and they followed and worshipped the various gods of the people around them. They started looking around. Hey, you know what? I want some of that. Hey, hey, you, you know, you know, uh, uh, I, I, I kind of want some of that over there. You know, hey, everybody else is doing it. I mean, this is just kind of how it works in the land of Canaan. 
I don't want to be an oddball. I don't want to be weird. I don't want to be so differentiated as a nation. And the next thing you know, they've abandoned the invisible king. They've abandoned the laws of God. And they just immerse themselves in this culture of the Canaanites right after Joshua warned them not to. Scripture continues, it says, They aroused the Lord's anger because they forsook him, and they served Baal and Asherah. Now, Asherah is uh, the, the female counterpart to Baal's. Essentially, the problem with Asherah and, and Baal wasn't the fact that, wasn't just the fact that, that they were, quote-unquote, gods who were represented by idols. And it was a big no-no in Israelite culture to, to make an image that represents a god. It wasn't just that, that that was an issue. The problem was everything that came with worshiping Baal or Asherah. If they got very desperate if in, in a time that, that, that things were just so desperate, Asherah and Baal required the, the, the people who worshiped them to sacrifice human beings. In fact, there's a whole period of history where they required the richest among them to sacrifice their firstborn child. And God's trying to stand back and say, no, no, I don't want you to have any part of that. I don't want that for you. Before you know it, the Israelites have dipped into this awful, awful, awful lifestyle. Scripture continues, it says, in his anger, now check this out, I love this. In his anger against Israel, the Lord gave them into the hands of raiders who plundered them. He continues, he, he sold them. Now, I know this is harsh. He sold them into the hands of their enemies all around whom they were no longer able to resist. They were in great distress. Basically, God said, okay, you want, you want to be like the Canaanites? How about I let you be conquered by the very people you have copied? How about I let you be conquered by the very culture that you've copied? You abandoned me freely. You embraced their ways freely. But hello, you just lost what was the most important thing to you. Your freedom. Don't you remember what it was like in Egypt? Of course you don't. You weren't there. Don't you remember your parents and your grandparents talking about how glad and how much joy it brought them that they no longer had to serve a pagan foreign king? And now you have willingly disobeyed and walked away from God to embrace the culture of the Canaanites? Well, if you like it so much, then have it. Next thing you know, they weren't simply copying the nations around them. They were being conquered by the nations around them. And in the end, they surrendered their freedom. In the end, and here's the, the point of today's message. Here's the thing that always slips up. Here's the thing that always gets past us and that we don't see coming until it's too late. This is what puts us into the cycle of I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. Now I'm doing what I want to do when I want to do it. Now I'm doing what I want to do when I want to do it, and I don't think I like it anymore. But worse, I don't think I can quit. 
You see, the problem is, is whenever we decide to leave one king and we chase down this road, it is inadvertently choosing one king for another. Which really brings me to my big idea today. When you leave one king, you are choosing another. There's such a huge lesson in this. You know, I don't even really need to ask the question. The fact is, all of us in this room, we have our story. You know, whether you're here and you were born a Christian and you grew up in that home, you knew right from wrong, you have this right conscience, you, you've always kind of been in the thing, you know the Ten Commandments, you know the teachings of Jesus, you've even memorized some verses. You always said, I won't go back, I won't go back, I won't go back. But one day you decided, you know what, I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. I don't want to be a Christian anymore. I don't want to be good anymore. I'm tired of playing this game. I'm tired. I'm done. I don't want to. Maybe it really wasn't a decision. Maybe it wasn't really that quick. Maybe it was over time. Maybe it was gradual. But somewhere along the way, you decided to walk away from God. Maybe you weren't even a Christian. Maybe you just grew up in a home that had really good values. Maybe, you you know, even in your home, you knew what was right from wrong. You know, you had this, you know, American values. I don't know exactly what you want to call it, but, you know, you you were going down a a good path. And and somewhere along the way, you said, you know what, I'm done. I'm through. I don't need a king. I certainly don't need a God, an invisible God who never seems to be on my side anyway. And then one day you woke up and you realized, uh-oh. I don't gain freedom. My expression of freedom actually ended up in resulting in the loss of freedom. And the reason is, is without meaning to, and it always slips up on us, which is why we're talking about it today. The reason is, is when you leave one king, you are choosing another now, this next part's going to be offensive and hashtag sorry, not sorry. Um, if you guys could just not tune out, if you guys could, you know, like not hear what I say and then instantly just stop listening to the rest, I promise it'll be worth it. You can, you can think about it later or not. I don't care. But um, if you guys could just kind of pay attention, this, this next part is offensive. And here's the thing. This really isn't the offensive part. I'll get to it in a moment. You were created. Which means there is a creator. And the problem is, is you weren't created to be your own king. See, here's the thing. You were created, and this is really the offensive part. You were created to be ruled over. I know it sounds terrible. It sounds awful. But you were created to be ruled over. Not controlled but ruled over. See, none of us in this room have complete autonomy. We want it, right? But here's the thing. Until you can control when when and where you are born, and you can predict exactly when and how you are going to die, or maybe you can put it off entirely, you don't have autonomy. Let's just say, even if you did have autonomy, nobody's going to like you, Right? We don't have autonomy. We were created to be ruled over. 
And whenever you say no to creator king, you simply choose a different king. For some of you, this is, this is a great example. Appetite. Can we talk about that for a moment? Some of you, your little king is the king of appetite. I mean, isn't appetite exactly this? I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And we've said no. We said no to our appetite. We, we keep going against it. And eventually one day, you know, you, you, you're just tired. You're, you're kind of just over it. And you, you decide, I'm going to choose my appetite over God. God, I'm tired of saying no. I'm tired of wrestling with this temptation. I'm tired of feeling like a failure every day. So I'm just going to give in to appetite. And then a few weeks, a few months, a few years, suddenly you can't say no. And you are ruled by appetite. Then it draws on you, it dawns on you, oh no, I just traded one king for another. Come on, insecurity? How many decisions have we made because of insecurity? You see, some of you, you really want to jump into this whole Christian thing. You want to make decisions the way God wants you to make them. You want to give your life over to him, but you work in a place or you live in a place where it's just simply weird. And you don't want, you know, to have to walk into a room and have people start, you know, stop talking because you realize that they are just talking about you because you live differently than them. And so you allow your insecurities to determine the decisions you make, and you are suddenly ruled by insecurity. Come on, fear? Comparison? I don't know how many people have gone completely stupid over comparison. Completely ruined their future, completely ruined their life because, hey, you know, Johnny got a boat, so I need a boat. That person on TV looks really good, so that means I must not. Come on, lust. I don't, I don't have to talk about that. Greed. Family history. Can we talk about family history for a moment? Some of you, I know that your, your life goal, it may not be written down anywhere, but your life goal is I will not be like my dad. I will not be like my mom. My family will, be, will not be like my family of origin. And somewhere along the way, you walked away from God. And I can promise you, the moment we step into, I want to do what I want to do, when I want to do, that's not going to get rid of your family history. That's how your family history started. (laughs) Come on. I mean, if there is a lover, if there is a God who loves you, there's a loving God. If there's a God who understands the power that forgiveness, forgiveness has to break the chains of the past, if there's a God who wants something for you better than perhaps the, than what you had from your family, whether it was intentional or unintentional, maybe they didn't know what they were doing. If there's a God that says, for your generation, for your kids, for your grandkids, I want something so different than what you experienced. Why would you say no to that? You know how it starts? You know how these little kings get a hold of us? how they tempt us, how they get us involved, starts with this idea. I won't. Just say I won't. 
Be your own man. Be your own woman. Don't let anybody tell you what to do. Don't let anybody tell you what's different. I won't, I won't obey. I won't be morally pure. I won't tell the truth. I, I, you know, I'm not going to live on a budget. I won't, I won't, I won't. And I love this. The little kings are sitting back saying, yeah, yeah. Keep saying it. It's our mantra. It's our marching order. Keep saying it. I won't, I won't, I won't. So one day you wake up and no longer is it I won't. It has changed to I can't. I can't stop. I can't change. I want to go back to where I was. I want to go back to, to, yeah, maybe other people didn't like me, but at least I liked myself. I want to go back to whenever I had a community around me that was going in the direction that I wanted to go in the, to begin with. But I can't seem to get there anymore. I can't. Do you know why this happens? Because all the little kings, lust, greed, fear, comparison, they don't love you. They don't have your best interests in mind. And they tempt you with just say, I won't. I won't, I won't. Eventually it's, I can't. Now, isn't this interesting? This is the the fun part. Why is it so easy for us to say no to God than it is to say no to the thing that we replaced with God? Why is it so easy to say no to God than it is to say no to the things that we allowed to replace God? I know that, you know, I know that she's not good for me. I know that he's not good for me. I know I have no business moving in with her. I know that I have no business having her on the side. God, I want to do what I want to do. But now that you are in a relationship with her, or you are in a relationship with him, or you do have her on your side, or you have moved in with him, why is it so difficult to go back. Why is it that now that you won out, that's so much, you know, it's so much more difficult to say no to the thing or the person that you've substituted for God? Why is it more difficult to say no to the created thing than the creator king? And I'll tell you, the substitute kings... They're not merciful. The substitute kings, they don't love you. The substitute kings will control you. The substitute kings will take away your freedom. Why? Because maximum freedom is found under the canopy of God's authority every time. Maximum freedom will never be found under the authority of the little kings. Maximum freedom in this life is found under God's authority. That's why it's always so much easier to say no to God. Now at the end of this little piece of history, not, not the whole book of Judges, but right here, this, the story we're looking at, at the end of the story, um, I, I think there's a clear picture of who God is and, 
it's going to sound a little strange at first, but I promise I'll, I'll bring you with me on this journey. But uh, Ju- Judges 3.8 starts off, it says, The anger of the Lord burned against Israel, so that he sold them into, into the hands of... I've got to pronounce this slowly, so bear with me here. He sold them into the hands of Kushan Rishathaim. I think that's how you say it. Kushan Rishathaim. He sold them into the hands of Kushan Rishathaim, king of Aram, Neharim, to whom the Israelites were subject for eight years. It's like God said, hey, okay, you want to be like a Canaanite? Have a Canaanite king. At least you could have pronounced my name. And for eight long years, they suffered. For eight years, they spent under that king. For eight years, they suffered at the hands of a king of, of the culture that they had adopted. They suffered under the rulership of a king whose gods they had chosen to worship for eight years. Then at the end of eight years, they did what many of us in this room have done. At the end of those eight years, they did what some of us in this room are ready to do. At the end of those eight years, they did what many of us in here need to do. They threw up their hands, and they said, God, we have sinned. Oh, God, we were fooled. Oh, God, we went out for the very thing that you warned us not to. We thought we were expressing our independence, that in expressing our independence, we actually lost freedom. We thought that we were saying no to your tyranny, but in the the end, we were taking something that was far less loving than yours. Oh God, please take us back. God, please redeem us. And God said yes. Because you are still my people. This is one of the most amazing things about the Christian faith that is illustrated throughout the history of the nation of Israel. God is, number one, first and foremost, a merciful God. That's why it's so easy to, to, to say no to him. That's why it's so easy to choose, and that's why you're given the ability to choose. Why? Because maximum freedom is found under the canopy of God's authority. God doesn't want to control you. If he wanted to control you, he would have created you as controlled. God wants to love you. And God wants to be loved by you, something that these little kings know nothing about. You think that your addiction is what's going to give you fulfillment. You think the thing that you, that you keep secret from your spouse is what's going to make you happy. Everything will make you happy for a season. You think that the reason you have to have a passcode on your phone is what is going to help your marriage. Those things don't love you. Those things don't have your interests. They want to control you. The only way that we can have a love relationship with our God is for him to allow us to leave and to extend the grace and the mercy whenever we decide to come back. Just like Israel was taken back over and over and over again, God will take you back over and over and over again. Now, here's where the uh, 
you know, pastor's heart in me kind of comes out. And uh, um, because there is nothing I enjoy celebrating more than whenever someone who is celebrating or who is who is living under the rulership of the little kings comes back to the most graceful king. There is nothing more that us as a church loves to celebrate than whenever someone who is serving the little kings comes back. It is the greatest day. It's the reason we do what we do. I love it, but here's the tragic part. Here's the tragic part. You won't get your 20s back. You won't get your 30s back. You can't reparent your kids. You can't show up to the things that you should have shown up to to begin with. Once those times and those experiences are gone, they're gone. And they were wasted serving the little kings. So just to close, don't don't be fooled. Don't be confused. Don't, don't allow confusion to set in. Leaving God's authority is not getting more freedom. When you choose to do what I want, when I want, how I want to do it, with whom I want to do it, where I want, You're simply choosing a new king in place of an old one. Let's pray. God, I love you. God, I think you are amazing. And God, I just ask that every man, woman, and child in this room, that we would think and that we would think about the decisions that we are about to make. And God, I ask if there is anybody in here who is on the edge of making a decision that they would regret for the rest of their lives, God, that this would push them back over the edge where they belong. God, that that would put them back on safe ground, on ground that they can stand on, on ground that will keep them centered. And God, I ask if there is anybody in this room that is ready to make a decision to come back and ask for your forgiveness, God, that they would make that decision right here, right now, as we worship. And God, I ask that everybody in this room could be here in the moment, not worried about what's happening afterwards, just here right now, having a moment, an intimate moment with you. Our creator father, who loves us so much and simply wants us to love him back. It's in your name we pray. Amen.